Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. I'm going to bless you. I believe that blessings activate breakthrough, and I want to see God's breakthrough in your life, whatever your story, whatever your situation. So I bless you now in the name of Jesus, that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit today. I bless you to receive the guidance from God that you need today, the the help from God that you need today. I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now, and I bless you to feel hope today, peace today, joy Today, love, today, whatever is going on in your life, I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. You awake today? You alert today? You ready to listen to see what the Spirit is going to be speaking to you about? Because I'm going to be talking, but I want you to listen to the Spirit and see what what He is going to be talking to you about today. Anyways, I'm glad you're here. We are starting a new series today. I have very brilliantly entitled it, Moses. Part three. I know. I have a reputation for, for strategic brilliance when it comes to crafting messages and titles uh, that just capture the imagination of every generation. Moses part three. Uh, so here we go. If you're new here or you're visiting, you're like, what about Moses part one, part two? Well, it's on YouTube. Moses part one covered the period of time from baby Moses into the Red Sea. Uh, Moses part two covered the, their time at Mount Sinai. And again, if you love archaeology, if you love looking at the ancient records and seeing, um, seeing the story, not only the story of the Bible as we walk through, but, but the story from the Egyptian perspective and, and what is recorded, um, there's lots of that on YouTube, and you can enjoy that online. Also, you can check out the Joseph series, Joseph Sets Up Moses, and, and there we go, there we go. Anyways, there's so many archaeological evidences and records And you might just assume that that would be the case because if these events of Moses' life in the exodus of Egypt, if they really did take place as the Bible described, and they did, in Egypt, this this land where we have the most uh, documents, the most ancient, uh, the most archaeology, the most everything, then you would assume that there would be evidences in the sand and and in what has been found that, that point to the real reality of this epic exodus moment. And, and we, we found that as we went through our, our study. <clears throat> we know who the pharaohs were now. We know who the pharaohs were, plural, who ec- ordered the execution of the babies by throwing them in the Nile. And we know now that it was Princess Merit or Princess Maris, Greek Egypt name, uh, Princess Merit of Egypt who drew the baby Moses out of the water, adopted him as her child, and she, was, she, she raised him until 
well, he was old, but like when, she, when Moses was 10 years old, she got married to the Pharaoh. Ultimately, a guy named Kenneferi, who we, we looked at, and how he, is, uh, he, he was basically the, the dad figure in Moses' life for uh, a long period of time. We talked about how, um, and we see hints of this throughout the Bible, but how um, there was a war when Moses was in his 20s, and the, the southern nation of Cush invaded Egypt. We talked about how Moses um, pushed them back, ultimately, to their, their main city, and how he set peace in place by marrying the, the, the princess of Cush, an event potentially referred to, very likely referred to in Numbers chapter 10, 11, 12, uh, when, uh, when, I think it's 12, when, when Aaron and Miriam are upset about his Cushite wife, sort of a thing. Uh, but you have that story taking place. Uh, Moses becomes this national hero and, and well-praised, and Canafere becomes insecure. And he's looking for a way to get rid of Moses. When Moses murders an Egyptian, he has the excuse he needs. And so Moses flees for his life, although he was a, a big deal. He flees for his life and he escapes to the land of Midian. And Midian, which is here on the map. This is very important that we know where Midian is and where, where it isn't. Midian is in that green box there. It is in Midian where we saw Moses gets married. He marries the daughter of the priest, maybe the high priest of Midian. He lives there for about 40 years until he is on the far side of the wilderness and he sees a shrub that is burning, but it's not burning, but it's burning, but it's not burning, but it's burning. And he goes over to see this strange sight. And when he is there at Mount Sinai, seeing this burning bush, he has an, a God encounter. And God speaks to him. And God says, take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. And he hears the voice of God, and, and he hears the instructions of God. This takes place at Mount Sinai, which is marked on the map uh, here with the, the purple circle there. It is in Midian. It has to be in Midian. That's where Moses is. He's not on the Sinai Peninsula. But we'll come back to that in a little bit. In a little bit. We know where Mount Sinai is. So it's there at Mount Sinai that he receives the commands of God to go back and, and lead the people out of Egypt. And there's going to be a sign. The sign is that when they come out of Egypt, they're going to worship God at this mountain. And we just, maybe we overlook that, but that's, that's weird. Why would they ever go to that mountain? It is not on the way to the promised land. It is in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, nowhere. No one ever goes there. Goes there, goes it, it, It's like there's no reason to go to this area. But one of God's signs that I am going to be doing this is you're, you don't know why. You don't know how. It doesn't make any sense to you. But you're going to worship me here on this mountain. So there's that sign. And so Moses goes back, and he confronts the new Pharaoh, who we know is named Deutimos, or Deutimose. Uh, we know that from the ancient kings list. This is the most reliable kings, ancient kings list uh, when it comes to the, the pharaohs. We know that his name is Deutimose, and he's the pharaoh of the Exodus story. Now you're thinking, what about Ramses? Well, Ramses is Hollywood, not history. And Ramses isn't going to be born for a couple centuries still. Uh, we're looking at history of Egypt and what the Bible's, the Bible's timelines, and that doesn't get, there's no Ramses in this area. So, uh, Deutimos, and so again, you can go back and listen to all this. This is the highly abridged version, highly abridged version. 
Uh, there's weeks and weeks of goodness uh, on all of this. But anyways, so they go back, and Moses confronts Pharaoh Deutimus, and God inflicts 10 devastating plagues on Egypt. And, and then in the Bible, we, we have this eyewitness account from Moses writing what happened there. We also have this document from Epure. Epure is an eyewitness on the Egyptian side of it. And he records the devastation of Egypt through the eyes of an Egyptian sage. That's how he classifies himself, a, a sage. And he describes the events of the, the plagues from their point of view, how devastating it is, how awful it is. We're like reading the plagues and we're like, God is awesome. They're like, ah, this is awful. And, and there's recordings here of him like confronting Pharaoh saying, uh, and their people confronting Pharaoh, let them go. They're, they're devastating. This is exactly what we see in the Bible. The Bible talks about the, the sages coming in and speaking to Pharaoh saying, we've been decimated. Let them go. Um, Epure writes about the same thing as an eyewitness account from the Egyptian side. Okay, I, I think I, I shouldn't need to say this, but I will. Um, this stuff happened. Like, like, like this isn't just like uh, made-up stories like Lord of the Rings. No, don't throw stones, that's fiction. Okay, uh, this is true. This is history. This happened. It happened, and there's evidences of, of it uh, that, that can be verified. Like, this stuff really did take place. The Bible is true. It's not just telling us a helpful thing for life and goodness. These are, this is what God actually did. Okay, so after the 10th plague, uh, the firstborn of Egypt die. It's devastating. And all the people got up and they walked out of Egypt. We, there's, there's all these empty slave cities that, that they're discovering everywhere. Uh, this one happens to be Cahoon. And, uh, but there's all these like, slave cities that they're digging out and they're finding. They, they, know, they, they know exactly where some are from satellites. They haven't uh, excavated them all. But the ones that they have been able to start digging on, they see that in mass, all these slave cities, it's like the slaves just got up and walked out. They didn't move to another place to, to do different work. They left their tools. They, they, left, they left a lot of things behind. They just got up and they walked out all these cities across Egypt. And it's like the, the labor force just, just walked out as the Bible describes. After they walk out of Egypt, they come to the Red Sea. And there are only two possible locations for the, the, where the Red Sea crossing could have taken place. And... Um, I believe it is here at this location. I, I should have put a map so you could see where this is. Um, but this is what the Red Sea looks like, right? Right? And uh, it's kind of this really big bit and then two arms pointing up. Um, which way am I? Yes. This is called the Gulf of Aqaba. Arabian Peninsula is over here. We are crossing the Red Sea here. Like this, this bit is right here at the, at the base, the narrowest bit. And you can see from the satellites what they couldn't see, that there is an underwater pathway, uh, land bridge, really shallow across this bit there. It goes down to about 150 feet in a few spots there, but a very, a very shallow underwater pathway. I think that's what the psalmist is writing about in Psalm 77. In the New Living, you, you, see, it, you see it read like how God, your road led us through the sea. Uh, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. And we talked about how the Bible describes that it was an east wind that dried off the, 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 that dried the land. 
a low tide, I mean, you can see people standing on the reef there. It's not that deep at most points. Uh, a low tide, an east wind, yeah, that, that could easily be what it took to dry off that area so that people could walk across on dry ground. Um, in other places, the east wind would have blow, blow them off the planet. Like, it's just, it's, you just can't have a wind that strong enough to move the rest of the water. But, so we talked about this. And what this crossing does, it gets them out of Egypt to Midian. As the Bible describes, this is how they get out of Egypt, through that bit that, that brings them to the, the green box bit there. I just think it's amazing that when the people are standing at the shore of the sea, they look out, they don't have satellite imagery, they don't have aerial photos, they just see sea. And they don't know that from the dawn of time, God had established their escape. And he'd led them to this exact spot. That, and he was very clear, you've got to go to this exact spot. He led them to the exact place that they needed to go so that they could be delivered and rescued and saved. Amazing. So, again, YouTube if you want more on all that. So they cross the Red Sea. And they, they get to the other side. They celebrate. And then they start journeying to Mount Sinai. On the way, they run out of water. And, and God says to Moses, go ahead of the people to the rock. Now, there is one obvious rock. There, like, he, Moses isn't just like, oh, there's a rock. Hit that rock and water will come out. God is sending Moses to an exact specific rock to strike. And, and to go ahead to a very specific location. So he journeys ahead and he strikes the rock at Horeb, uh, which, which looks at, like this. This is the split rock at Horeb here. And water gushes out of the rock. Now, we can see at this split rock the evidences of water rushing down these rocks and, and sculpting and, and, and smoothing the stones as water just rushes out of this place. We can see that it filled this basin area, which was big enough for millions of people to drink and their animals as well to drink the water. We can, we can even see that they had channeled, they dug channels to get the water to their campsite. Where, where they were staying. And they, they dug these, these places to get the water where they wanted it to go. Right here at, at the split rock of Horeb, which is at Mount Sinai. Here. And then after this, we got to the real Mount Sinai. The, the biblical Mount Sinai, which is in Arabia, says Paul, which is in, uh, in Midian, where the Bible always places it. Uh, we know it's the real Mount Sinai because all the archaeology is there. This is not like a desert that's, where it's all been covered by sand and we need to dig it out. It's just sitting on top. You can see it. You can see it in satellite imageries. You can just see it. Um, first of all, the, the, the mountain, as we talked about, it's burnt, burnt, uh, externally burnt. This is not volcanic rock that is, that is uh, dark through and through. Um, if you break it, it it's, it's normal, it's the, rest of, it's the normal, same as the rest of the mountain on the, on the inside. It was externally burnt as if the fire of a furnace was burning the outside, as if there was billowing smoke that was charring it on the outside, just as the Bible describes on this mountain. And I, and I, I think of the little people down there, just down in the valley, the little people, and I think about how huge that burnt area is, and just imagining that that billowing smoke, lightning, just how huge this, this is. I don't know how you've imagined it, but you can see the, the burnt area. That's, that's, that's the area. It's not on these other mountains. It's just right here, this, this burnt top mountain. And they just marvel with God. 
marvel at God. They hear his voice and, and all this. Um, also here you've got the um, altar for the golden cow that they worshipped. Um, th again, the, the platform is still there. They had the golden cow on top of the platform and they carved in all this worshipping the cow uh, image all over this, this altar area. Um, oh, mighty bovine, right? So they're, they're carving that out and, and we have that worship site there. We also have the right worship site. The, God, is, God commands Moses to build an altar at the base of the mountain. It, there it is, at the base of the mountain. The, the blue area, let's go to the altar site. The blue circle is the, is the pen for the animals. Uh, the green circle is the area where they would slaughter the animals. And the red circle area was where the actual fire and, and offering took place right at the base of the mountain. Um, also in this altar site, and that's just from that, oh yeah, that's from a drone. But uh, yeah, the, the, they also have these pillar pieces there because God said, you know, there's, they built 12 pillars. They have these 12 marble pillars, one for each of the tribes, and the pillar pieces are just there laying on the ground. Um, in the blue picture, they're just the little, you can kind of see the little pillar pieces kind of spotted around there. But, but it's all there. Like, this, is, this, is, this is the 100%, the, the right Mount Sinai, the biblical Mount Sinai, where God's people spent a year, where they met with God, where they worshipped, where they rebelled, and it's all still there. How could it still be there? Nobody goes there. It's in the middle of nowhere. This is, this is just this, is just this, this area, it's, it's on the way to nothing. So that's kind of the recap, and we spend a year uh, looking at that year at Mount Sinai in Moses Part 2. Again, YouTube for all, all of the rest if you want to see more about all that. Today, we're beginning Moses Part 3. And what, this is going to take us from here, Mount Sinai, to Mount Nebo, where Moses is going to die. Uh, I gave it away, but like, he's going to die uh, on Mount Nebo. Now, I want to give you a few warnings. Uh, there's not as much archaeology from here to there. Uh, and that's for obvious reasons. We're not in Egypt anymore. We're not at Mount Sinai for a year. For the next 36 years or so, they are wandering. For the next 40 years, they are wandering from campsite to campsite in the middle of nowhere, in nowhere land. In fact, in Numbers chapter 33, you have a list of all their campsites. We pretty much have no idea where they are. Because there, there's no towns there. There's no cities there. there. There's nothing out there where they were. they were. They were wandering in the wilderness. Now, there are some pictures coming. There, I got some tricks up my sleeve. Uh, I got some photos up my sleeve. No, I got, my, I, I, I got some things that we're going to be showing you at, in this journey. But again, it's, it's, a different, um, it's a different type of a study because of where we're at. And, it, and, and the archaeology reflects the reality. There is less because they're literally just wandering. We're going to do this study in two parts. You can see on the map here, there's going to be the first part, five messages, is going to take place in the green circle area down there. That's the first 36 years. I have said for 15 years, if I was ever to write a book on leadership, I would be focusing on this green area and what happens here. There is life gold, leadership gold, life gold that we're going to be looking at in these five lessons here in, in the beginning in this, in this green area. 
And then we're going to do five other lessons in the blue area, which is just the last couple years before they move into the land, when they start gaining momentum and they start getting ready to, to go into the land, just getting unstuck. All right, so that's where we're going for, for Moses part three. But before we kind of dive into it all next week, I, I, I want to I ponder this moment of them leaving Mount Sinai. They've been there. They've been there for over a year. And now it's time for them to leave. It's time for them to move forward. God is telling them it's, it's time for them to go. And, and we, this is what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 1. It says, The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. Resume your journey and go. Resume, resume your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and their neighbors the, in the Arabah, the hill country, the Judean foothills. I know you can picture all this because we did an archaeology, a Bible land, a biblical faith thing a couple years ago, so you got this. The Negev uh, and the seacoast the, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon as far as the great river, the Euphrates River. What I want you to uh, be pondering as we get ready to move forward is for you. Is God today speaking to your heart saying it's time for you to move forward? It's time for you to resume your journey. It's time for you to go from where you are and step into your next. Now, I say that this is a discernment question because I know that some of you are not supposed to go forward right now. God has given you a moment um, to, to stay still. Uh, like, and for whatever reason, maybe a Psalm 23 moment to restore your soul. And God's word for you is to stay, restore your soul. Or maybe to persevere in a tough moment. And sometimes God's like, no, just don't get up and go. Stay in this moment. This perseverance for you is, is important. This is important to get from here to where I want you to go. But sometimes God says to his people, it is time to move forward now. You've been here long enough, and for whatever reason, it's time to move forward. And that can come from good seasons or from bad seasons. We look back at Mount Sinai and we think of it as an amazing season from our perspective. I mean, God's people, they, they meet with God. God, God. They, 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 they go out and they, you know, God shows up. He speaks to them from the mountain. Fire, lightning, awesome presence of God. They receive the Ten Commandments. They build the Ark of the Covenant. They build the Tabernacle of God. They, they have these, these amazing God moments. God lights the altar on fire himself from heaven. It's just like such a powerful God moment. And we look back and we think, oh man, they had an amazing God time on Mount Sinai. But not for everybody. For many of them, it was an era of rebellion, of grief. Thousands died in, in rebellion and, and, and sin. I mean, for some of them, it was, it was a season of rejecting God, even though he was obviously revealing himself to them and struggling to follow God, turning away from God. For, for different people, this last season, but for all of them now, the call is to move forward. Whether they've had an awful season of rebellion against God or a special season with God. God's like, it's time to get up. 
It's, it's time to move forward. I'm praying today that you are going to be alert in your heart. That, that God will be speaking to you, even as I, I'm talking here, and that you will know in your soul what your, what your next era is to be. That you'll know in your soul, is it time to stay? Is it time to move forward? That you'll know in your mind, that you're, you'll just know in your knower. You will just know that you know. God's saying to me, whether I like it or not, it's time to move forward for, for whatever reason. Now, what is, what is it like following God? Sometimes he says go, sometimes he says stay. I think these people, they give us a good description, a really uh, a great analogy of what it's like to follow God. And we read it in Numbers chapter 9. In Numbers chapter 9, they describe what it's like to follow God. It says, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. And when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. All that to say is, all we can do is be in tuned to when the Lord is saying, it's time to go now, or it's time to hold still. And we don't have the cloud. Praise God, we have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And we, they had to pay attention to the cloud. We have to pay attention to the Spirit. And so that's why I keep saying, what is the Spirit nudging your heart this morning? Is it time to stay? Is it time to move forward? Because the discernment of that is so connected to following God for, for your life. And that's, that's our mission, to follow God and be aware of what He is telling us in this moment. I, I, was, I was talking to God this week about um, last autumn. <laughs> last autumn, I... I, I had God's plan, I had, I told God what I wanted from him. I said to him, I want Psalm 23. Green pastures, restore soul. Coming out of COVID or not, or whatever we were doing it back in autumn. Like, let's, let's just take it easy. I talked to the teams, the staffs at, at the locations. Guys, nothing big right now. Just keep it calm. Keep no new, just keep it simple. We'll just, we'll bring the church back together and we'll, we'll just keep it calm. And, and yeah, we'll just, we'll just go through an easy season. That's what I wanted. 
God said, how about Paisley? How about we, and, and not only Paisley, how about I put you through some of the biggest leadership challenges of your life? Why don't you deal with Belfast and, and what's going on with there? Why don't you deal with Southside and this big transition? Why don't I just completely upend all these things and, and say, let's not go easy. Let's go through the biggest leadership challenge so far. That sounds fun. Yay. All I'm saying is we don't get to choose our season. We listen for our season. We don't get to say, oh, I discern based on where my life is right now that it is quiet, waters, peaceful, streams, moment. No, no, no. We say, God, this is what I would like. And I do. I've told, I, have to, I told them this morning. God, I would like peaceful waters coming up. I would like restore soul season coming up. I, I'm letting them know. We'll listen. I'll, I'll keep, keep you posted on that one. But, but at the same time, we, we listen and our context doesn't tell us. Jesus tells us. What we want doesn't determine. It's not supposed to. What Jesus wants is to determine. And I might look at the situation and be like, I don't have the capacity to go into what you're asking me to go into. I need restored souls. But Jesus actually knows, knows, knows. And like Moses when he complains at different times or when people complain... Jesus is able to give us everything we need for the path that he calls us to walk in faith. That, that's okay. Mount Sinai, for however incredible it was, it wasn't the promised land. Now, Mount Sinai was a place of rest and recovery from the traumas of Egypt, but it wasn't the promised land. It was a, a place of reconnecting and rediscovering the God of their ancient ancestors. But it wasn't the promised land. Mount, Mount Sinai was a place of experiencing the help and provision of God through food and water and just the, even the basics for life. And they experienced that and learned that about God, but it wasn't the promised land. Mount, Mount Sinai was a place to establish right worship habits and, and, and consistent practices with, with ways that God loves to be worshipped. But it's not the promised land. And yeah, not everything in that season went perfectly, but there was a lot of goodness. Mount Sinai was at best a high point, but it wasn't the promised land. And they had to be attuned to what God was saying. And God says, it's now time to move forward. You've been here long enough. It's time to move forward. I was listening to Nikki Gumbel at the leadership, I don't know what it's called, Alpha Leadership Conference Summit thing, I, 22, some, I don't know. It was online, so I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. I was paying attention. But anyways, so I, I was listening to a talk, and, and, and while he was talking, he was just referencing um, Jesus and Peter, James, and John on the mountain. And they're on a mountain where all of a sudden Jesus' clothes start glowing white. We call it the transfiguration. His clothes start glowing white, and Moses, Moses shows up, and Elijah shows up. And they start talking with Jesus. And Peter thinks this is, I mean, all of us would. I'm not going to blame Peter for thinking this is a pretty amazing moment. It is a really amazing moment. And Peter says, this is good. Let's stay here. Let's build tents. Let, let's, let's spend a lot of time here. Let's spend, and the basic answer is no. This is a great moment. 
but we, we can't stay here in this great moment. We need to move forward from here. We're not going to build tents. We're not going to stay in this great moment. We need to go forward because however great the moment is of transfiguration, God and Moses and Elijah, we got to get down off the mountain and we've got to go through some pain and rejection and the cross because this isn't the fulfillment of what's promised, the transfiguration, the cross needs to happen, and the resurrection from the dead needs to happen, and then Pentecost needs to happen, and the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill these people with, this, with, with, with His presence so that they can be about their life purposes for the next decade of their lives, decades of their lives, preaching Jesus and, and, and uh, spreading the good news that there is now forgiveness because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You can't, they couldn't linger in that high point. They had to know that, okay, that was a great moment, but it was time to move forward because although it was a great moment, it wasn't, it wasn't the end. There is better still to come. And it was important that they kept moving forward. Mount Sinai was a great moment, but there was better still to come. And I'm telling you, however great or whatever your life is like now, moving ahead, if you move forward and you follow Jesus, or, or not, if you follow God in faith, in your resting, in your moving, in your perseverance, in your returning. If you follow God in faith, better is in front of you. There is better ahead of you than behind you. And you're like, Brian, you can't. How could you know? How can you know? I, I, I know. I know. Even if you were here on your deathbed, I, I would be able to look at you in the eye and I would be standing on Paul's words in Scripture saying, as you move forward in faith from this moment, your future is better by far. Better by far. Better is in front of you as you continue to be attuned and follow God with all your heart in your resting, in your returning, in your moving forward, in your waiting, in your persevering. As long as you're keeping in step with when God says it's time to go, it's time to go. When God says it's time to stay, we stay. I just want us to follow God well. And, and, that's, and that's at the challenge of it. Um, here's the challenge for today. The challenge for today is ask Jesus while journaling. Is this my time to move forward? Or is this my time to rest and recover? Other things that I've said, is this a time to persevere under trial? Is this a good moment to stay in? Is this a good moment to move forward from? You know, restore our soul moment. God, what is this moment? Help me understand. And I really believe if, that, may, that many of you even know in your heart what your season is. I've been praying that you would know even wh while I'm talking and just kind of stalling around for the Spirit to, to speak to you. Uh, that you know in your knower what, what, is, what is next. And, and for those who still aren't con, uh, convinced, I know that Jesus wants to tell you because God wants you to follow him. God wants you to know his, uh, what, what path is in front of you. And it's, it's the kind of thing that he loves to let his people know. Following me looks like going forward right now. Following looks like holding tight right now. Following looks like this right now in this season of your life. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray clarity for you. And more importantly, I'm going to pray courage over you as you hear and get ready to respond.
God have mercy on us? It is my heart that it is our heart that you would lead us. That you would give us your perspective on what you want for us. Spirit of the living God, lead us. Is this a time to, to hold still, to restore our soul? Is this a moment to hold still and persevere under trial? Is this a moment, no matter how great this last season is, to move forward in faith? Is this a moment to, no matter how awful and rebellious this last season has been, to get back to following God? What is my next step or lack thereof? God, I just pray for clarity over all of us. That you would lead us so clearly and with your grace just be so clear to our hearts. And God, furthermore... I know it's one thing to know, it's another to follow. Give us courage, audacity, and boldness to walk or to hold still in whatever path you have for us right now. Help us, help us. Now if you're here and some of you are like, okay, my path is I need to, I've been in a rebellious season and I need to get back to moving forward, following God. Have a chat with him. Recommit yourself right now to following God again. And others of you, you're like, I have spent my whole life rejecting God. I have whole, I've spent my whole life maybe just like holding this decision from a distance. The words for you is, it is time to move forward now following God. And I urge you to give your life at this moment to following God. And praying something like this, God, here I am. And I now commit the entirety of my life to following you, to following Jesus. Whether things go good or whether things are challenging, whether things are easy or extremely difficult, I commit my life to following you. Help me. Forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me in your way clearly. God, we, we look to you. Lead us clearly in Jesus' name. Amen.